0: Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, a new podcast from Campaign U.S. where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. I'm your host, Allison Weisbrot, editor of Campaign U.S., and my guest this week is Bibi Wu, the chief marketing officer of Del Monte Foods. While 130-year-old Del Monte is best known for its classic fruit cups and canned fruits and veggies, innovation is always top of mind. As the company expands out of the can and into the freezer aisle, it's balancing its legacy while keeping up with new consumer habits. As CMO, Bebe thinks a lot about innovation, both in the food Del Monte brings to market and the way it reaches consumers. But she also thinks a lot about purpose, which Del Monte brings to life through its Growers of Good brand platform and a partnership with education charity Growing Great, which helps kids learn about sustainable and healthy eating. As an Asian female leader in her organization – Bibi has been at the center of the DEI conversation and talks about using her position to make change. Hi, Bibi. How are you? I'm great today. Thank you for having me on your podcast. It's great to have you here. First, I want to start talking about Del Monte as a brand. Obviously, you know, Del Monte has been around for over a hundred years. Uh, very strong legacy as a CPG brand, a food company. Everyone thinks of the Del Monte Fruit Cups when you hear the name, but I know you guys are also really big on innovation as well. You're coming out with a lot of exciting new food items. So how do you sort of think about, um, you know, balancing innovation with legacy
1: as the CMO and how do you strike the right balance there? That's a great question. I think that that's very much a part of what every brand needs to think about, right? Because if you don't innovate and you stay in place, you're not going to be a relevant brand for much longer because the fact is your consumers are always changing as well, right? They're evolving, their needs are evolving. um, And what they expect of brands and products are evolving. So, you know, the fact that Del Monte is a well-known brand and has been around for over 130 years and is very well-respected That gives us um, a great place to start, right? Um, You know, people are already familiar with the brand. They know it's associated with quality. Um, We have our roots in fruits and vegetables, which is, you know, a fantastic um, place to be given what um, Americans want for their diets and for their health. But at the same time, innovation is um, more important than ever before. Um, You know, we started off uh, with being an innovator in things like canned fruits and vegetables. And if you think about way back when, that was very innovative um, because it's very convenient and it promised consistent quality. And it still does today. But as I said, consumers' needs and their lifestyles have changed. And so as we think about innovation, we've got to bring everything that people um, expect and love about Del Monte, which is great taste, nutrition, quality, consistency, safety, but then bring it to them in a way that's more relevant and contemporary, right? So People are more on the go than ever. So, we're thinking about how do we bring all that goodness of Del Monte in in ways that are more convenient and that people can take with them on the go. Um, Fast forward to today, you know, on the go is even a little bit more different with the whole corona pandemic. So, what does that mean? Um, So, we're thinking about, you know, how do we fit into lifestyles where consumers are working from home, um, doing school from home, and yet still need um, great and convenient. Uh, meals and snacks that they can feel really good about. So it is this balancing act, but I think more than anything, because we are a strong brand, we have a really good position to be all the things that consumers really love about us, but then do it in a way that's uh, more relevant and contemporary for uh, people's lifestyles today.
0: Talk a little bit about how you're thinking about innovation. Um, I know you know, we spoke about a year or two ago and it was a lot of, um, a lot of stuff about being on the go. Consumers are more busy now, but the pandemic did change that a little bit. So how are you thinking about innovation in this sort of new
1: normal we're in? It's funny because you know some people do ask, um, about, well, is innovation as important, right? Because, uh, with the pandemic, um, uh, people are, for example, very concerned about uh, the economy and the recession. And so are people are going to be willing to you know, spend on innovation, spend on new things that maybe they haven't tried before, or they just want to go back to the tried and true? Um, do they really need on the go things and products when people are staying at home more? And so, you know, I guess for the first point, I would say, uh, for sure, people are concerned about their um, pocketbook. But they are still looking for innovative solutions and ways to delight themselves and their family. And they're still looking for products that taste great and bring nutritional value. So there is definitely a role for innovation. Um, and, and then in terms of the you know people's lifestyles. So, yes, you know, maybe especially at the beginning of the pandemic, people weren't um, on the go as much and traveling to and from office and school, but. Even before uh, the pandemic, when you look at where things where kind of, quote unquote, convenient snacks or maybe convenient small meals are consumed, um, even before the pandemic, the vast majority of those eating occasions actually happened in and around the home. Right. So if you think about just, you know, walking around your house or. Um, your kids come home from school and they need a quick convenient snack as they run around and play. So there's still very much a role for what would be considered typically more of a quote unquote on on the go item. And so as we looked at those opportunities, you know, we also found that consumers more than ever were concerned about health and wellness, you know, with the pandemic, and they wanted to make sure that every calorie still counted. So as we think about Del Monte's innovation pillars, you know the pillars of things like health and wellness through plant based goodness, um, delivering consumers products that enable them to do purposeful snacking um, those were still very much in demand, and so uh things like our Del Monte veggieful frozen pocket pies that we launched last year were a perfect fit, right? So they're um these uh um, handheld small meals or snacks, um chock full of vegetables and veggie goodness full serving of vegetable, you know, cauliflower crust. And uh, it's perfect for when folks like you and me are working at home and we just have maybe a 15 minute break between, you know, Zoom meetings and we go down to the kitchen and we microwave this and we, you know, have a really nice and and healthful lunch. Same thing with, you know, fruit cups Um, as children are at home doing the school from home and they need a quick pick me up, um, a quick snack. And so, you know, parents can feel really good about giving their kids a fruit cup, um, in the middle of their busy day at home while they're doing school. So there's still definitely a need for innovation and in delivering people convenience, even during the pandemic.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. Now that I think about it, I do have, you know, 15 minutes to shove some lunch in my face between meetings. So. <laughs> how are all these consumer changes, um, you know, changing the way that, that you market your products? Like I know, you know, there's obviously the shifts in how people are consuming media, um, but there's also, you know, people are more concerned about sustainability these days. There, there's sort of a, a movement away from uh, towards plant-based alternatives, which you were just talking about. So, talk about like what messages you're using to reach consumers, and and then what medium you're reaching them on.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that part first in terms of like the marketing communications and the channels. So I I would say that, you know, even before the pandemic, we were on a trend towards, you know, really going where consumers are. And so not surprisingly, and I'm sure you find this talking to other um, folks within within the industry, more and more of our investment had been going and continues to go against things like um, digital um, and um, social, Um, because quite frankly, that's where the consumers are these days. And we found that to be a really good medium, um, especially during the pandemic as well. Um, We have the ability to really um, target and understand um, where the consumers are coming from. So, for example, um, we would tailor our messages slightly differently um, for someone who was a longtime loyal returning consumer versus someone who maybe jumped into our category for the first time um, or at least the first time after a long hiatus um, uh, and, and target that message a little bit differently um, to them. And, and we found that digital and social was a great place um, to do that. Um, as you know, you know, cooking really spiked during the pandemic and we see that trend really sticking and holding on. And so we really amped up our use of um, recipes um, and other kind of communications that inspired consumers um, to use um, the products and really have a delightful experience with the, the products. Um, and then, of course, I think everyone is familiar with kind of cooking fatigue. And so, gosh, you know, not only are so many people cooking for the first time in a long time, but they have to cook so often during the pandemic. And so, the the need for um, more recipes and, and more inspiration was even, um, you know, more uh, important during uh, the the corona uh, time. And so, then as part of that, we uh, would work with influencers, um, whether they're you know micro or more macro. Um, to, to drive those um, ideas and give people uh, recipe ideas um, for our products.
0: In terms of like, you know, the 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 creating recipes and serving them on social media, like that's also kind of an opportunity to learn more about your consumers, right? Which is a place that CPGs typically haven't had that type of information before because the, the data, the purchase data lives at the supermarket or the retailer. So are you, has that allowed you to do anything... Um, you know, in terms of more personalized marketing and you know as we sort of enter this new phase in the digital space where uh brands really need to have more of their own data to work with to to reach consumers in that way, um, how is that sort of informing your strategy there
1: yeah that 's something that we think about a lot, and you know I would say we're still on that journey you know it takes um It takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of resources. It takes a lot of headcount, agency partners, et cetera, to really um, harness the power of that um, really, really effectively. Um, I think there's more opportunities that we have in that space. Um, But for sure, we're doing more and more um, in terms of um, social listening. And we're doing more and more, uh, you know, scanning what's going on in the chatter so that we can recognize when consumers are really excited about something and maybe there's something um, that we can try to amplify um, within our within our own channels. And that's been part of our of our social strategy as well.
0: Circling back to the messaging piece, what role does creativity kind of play and, and branding for you as you sort of, you know, get the message out about new products? Um, how are you thinking about the, the creative piece and the message that you send?
1: Yeah, um, you know, the, the creative piece is obviously super important because you need the creative you need the creativity to be able to make your message breakthrough right in this in a very cluttered environment and you need the the creativity to make sure that you're um talking about your brand narrative in a way that's going to be very pointed and um and resonate and 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 and, and relevant to the consumer. So as I think about, you know, a few of the campaigns that we've done over the recent past where I think um, creativity um, was really effective in, in, in driving against those measures. Um, like, I'm really proud of our um, Del Monte master brand campaign, uh, Growers of Good. And we kicked off the Growers of Good uh, campaign about um, two years ago. And as I said, it supports the overall master brand of Del Monte And and behind that was we recognize that Del Monte, as a 130-year-old brand, has a very storied past, um, has uh, so much uh, deep roots and um, uh, relationship with not only the consumer who recognizes us, but also with, you know, our growers who grow our wonderful fruits and vegetables. We have roots with the communities that we support. Um, And we really are creating um, a community of good in so many different dimensions. And so, you know, that was the creative spark that led to this Growers of Good campaign. Um, And now that becomes not only just, you know, a marketing tagline or a handle, that really becomes, you know, three words that stand for the ethos and value of our company overall, right? So we communicate the goodness of our fruits and vegetables, how good things taste to the consumer. We, within our internal um, company environment, communicate what a good place it is to work. Um, within the context of our community, we try to do good with things like, you know, our relationship with Growing Great, um, the nonprofit cause marketing um, portion of our, um, uh, of our program, which I know we'll talk about later. And, you know, we do good for our planet through our sustainability efforts. So super, super excited about how that creative spark, you know, led to the growers of good campaign for us.
0: Let's, let's talk a little bit about the Del Monte purpose program. I know that's a big focus for you guys, and there's Mm -hmm. a lot of brands out there today talking about purpose and trying to find their purpose, um, but it, it doesn't always come off as authentic to the consumer. So how do you approach it in an authentic way and um, talk a little bit about what you're doing?
1: I'd love to. And and, and I think that, um you know, what I mentioned about uh, when we were, when we had that creative spark to articulate all the dimensions of good that Del Monte does and really honed it in on, we stand for growers of good. We stand for, you know, the small choices we make today to make tomorrow a more hopeful and healthy tomorrow then we really started thinking about okay, we already do a lot of things to support um, programs that do good, but how do we really find a partner that's uh, super connected to this DNA and brand purpose I just mentioned? And we scanned, we scanned, and we you know the marketplace and we looked for opportunities, and then we came across growing great. And first off, we said, wow, growing great. That just you know <laughs> sounds so much like Growers of Good. There's got to be something there. And there really and there really is right um, and, and growing great um, as um, as you as, as we've probably talked about a little bit before is it's a nonprofit that's based in Los Angeles California and their mission is to empower children to make healthy food choices through hands-on science and garden learning and education opportunities so it just seemed like a perfect fit Um you know, we really do believe that, uh, you know, learning how to um, eat well, how to nourish your body should start at an early age. And we love the idea of educating um, that whole generation through um, learning more about what goes on in the garden and learning more about what's the science behind what makes fruits and vegetables um, so healthy and good for you. So, um, So there was a great fit there. And, you know, we embarked on this partnership a little bit more, Then a year and a half ago, we're kind of in year two of our partnership there. Um, And then, you know, we talked about the pandemic and that really um, at first threw a bit of a monkey wrench into this because, you know, our partnership with them was going to be all about um, bringing these opportunities for learning um, through Growing Great and Del Monte to to the schools and bringing it to museums and bringing it to things like um, STEM fairs and all of a sudden, you know, those venues didn't exist anymore. But it actually turned into a great opportunity because then we pivoted immediately and started to um, offer all of those education um, tools and resources. In the virtual and online environment, so that's worked out really, really well.
0: Talk about that pivot and how you were able to pull this off virtually, because I would imagine at first you were you were planning on a lot of this being really like hands-on.
1: That's right. That's right. Um, and, and so and so then we just had to quickly flip the switch to say, you know, all of those things that we wanted to do in terms of um, the curriculum and getting kids to interact with um, you know fruits and vegetables and learning how they grow, um, they can still happen. But we're going to do them in a virtual environment, which actually uh, was perfect because that's exactly what school districts and educators um, were looking for, right? Um, as we all know, like you know, upwards of 90% of families during the past you know year have had some form of at-home schooling. Like here in California, for example, my two kids were 100% at home for the entire time, and so you know, teachers were really yearning for. Um, more resources to help them um, give uh, their kids curriculums that were available online. And so we offered that. Right. So, you know, things like, um, you know, how to grow a seed um, and watch that transform into a plant. That was, for example, one of our hands on science experience um, experiences that we offered out um, to um, educators and to students. And so we would make those available through um, our website. We would make those available through um, essentially kind of like uh, virtual field trips through webcasts. And, you know, in in many ways, you know, we've been able to touch um, a lot of um, students um, through 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 uh, programs like that.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So as as a CMO, how do you kind of like, you know, get the word out about all this great stuff you're doing? you know, while, while sort of making sure that it doesn't sound promotional and that it is coming, you know, from an authentic place.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I would like to think that for Del Monte um, it's a perfect fit. And so uh, it doesn't sound forced at all. Uh, like I said, you know, mm-hmm. our um, brand DNA has always been about um, nourishing families, enriching lives, Helping, helping people make choices for that more hopeful and healthy tomorrow. So a program like this really is in perfect keeping. I think it's also um, um, just a natural fit for consumers because they see that it's grounded in fruits and vegetables, which is what they um, first think of when they think of Del Monte. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, I think it's also important for um, consumers to see that companies and brands are really, you know, Putting their money where their mouth is, right? So that um, we're making that commitment, and it's you know just not uh, it's not just kind of like a one month promotion, but it's a long longer term relationship. As I said, we're in year two of our relationship there, um, and you know we're evolving it to be not just. Um, you know, it's not just something that consumers see. Oh, they ran a PR release about it, right? Um, it's it's an integral part to um, what we do. Um, we engage our we engage our employees in it as well. So, for example, we've had opportunities where we've engaged um, our employees to be part of um, that learning experience, um, and you know, we're evolving that program to be integrated. For example, all the way into retail, um, where um, in, in in January we're going to have a um, a, a big national shopper marketing program, and our partnership with Growing Great is going to be um, part of that. Um, so, where consumers have the opportunity to, we call the platform, you know, um, um, do good, um, choose good, and so you choose great products and healthy products of, like Del Monte, and then you can choose then to have um, dollars off your purchase, or you can choose to have instead of the dollars off a donation to to Growing Great. So you can see that we're committed um, from, you know, to growing great from end to end.
0: Right. It has to be embedded and part of the organization as opposed to just, like you said, a a marketing release. So you brought up um, retail and uh, shopper marketing, which is a space that has been changing dramatically, especially in the pandemic. Um, I think, you know, online grocery definitely grew a lot last year, especially, you know, older people sort of adopted it as a new habit. Um, how are you thinking about the the e-commerce uh, online grocery shopping environment? And then how do you balance your investment between brick and mortar and online?
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure, the, the, the surge in e-com, right, was one of the, like the biggest upshots of the pandemic. And then especially for things like grocery sales through e-com, you know, we definitely so many articles written, right, about how it helped advance it by at least, you know, five years. And, and then of course, once you break down that barrier of trial and, um, consumers and shoppers, you know, um, have, um, have, you know, quote, unquote set themselves up. It's easy just to continue to do that. So we definitely continue to think that that's going to be, um, a platform that's going to grow and it's not going to go away. And we for sure saw, um, a great surge in our e-com sales, um, you know, to, to at least the category and industry average, um, it, and going forward, it's absolutely an imperative for us to win in that space. Um, we have already been on that journey for quite a while, but um, we most recently committed to, I would say, doubling and tripling down in that area. So as a company, for example, um, we've really leaned in and put you know, um, a bigger leadership role behind driving e-com. We've put a bigger team behind it, and we're really looking at um, planning against e com um, in a really integrated fashion, right? So um, we you know you ask about investment. um, so the investment is um, definitely going to be of um, primary importance. And I would say it's integrated into everything we do. So like we don't approach things like brick and mortar versus ecom. We're approaching things very holistically. Um, understanding that that um, omni-channel approach is really how consumers are shopping these days.
0: You know, now even even compared to last year, there's so many more like retail media marketplaces that you can mm-hmm. buy from. Um, you know, Walmart has one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all all the grocery stores are starting to launch them. How does this change your relationship with with grocers and retailers? Um, you know, does it sort of blend the shopper budget with? with the the media budget and how does that sort of change the way you think about it?
1: Yeah, it, 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 it does. I mean, and like I said earlier, we have to approach it with a um, kind of one budget, one plan, um, holistic mentality. Because certainly when you're sitting, you know, at the table with the retailer, that's how they're thinking about it too. Because to your point, um, they now are becoming, <laughs> you know, and, and shopping out, they're, they're, they're shopping out their own media Um, capabilities and assets. And so, um, you know, when we talk about, for example, maybe, you know, decade ago, when you talk to a retailer, it was primarily around, you know, rates and dates, right? So like, let's talk about the promo budget and you know, how many, um, promotions are going to have and how much trade budget. And now it's so much more, right? It's, it's that plus, um, your e-com investment, your, your shop and marketing investment, your media investment, um, even specific to, you know, as I mentioned, their own media assets. Um, so so it's definitely omni-channel from, from all of those things. And it just makes it um, also a little bit more complex, right? So we're trying to figure out what's the best way to harness the power um, of all the retail media networks and, um, you know, and kind of at the same time not go crazy with having um, to plan and budget and negotiate um, each of these things separately. So looking for ways to make that more efficient mm.
0: and where do your agency partners come in there I guess across the whole all of the aspects that we've spoken about so far whether it's ecom whether it's creativity, are you still you know partnering strongly with agencies there or do you do more in-house now?
1: Yeah agencies are definitely a, um, a, a really really important um, strategic partner for us um, you know we have uh, multiple agencies. You know some of the main ones are Donor LA is our creative agency of record. Um, we, we we work with um, Starcom and Media. We work with um, Edelman and PR and like CMG in shop and marketing and you know and a whole host of you know other agencies for other um, uh, um, um, uh, aspects of our marketing plan. Um, They bring a lot in terms of their respective expertise, you know, um, they help us stay abreast of industry trends, um, best practices. We find that we learn a lot um, when we look at what's um, cutting edge um, in terms of maybe some of the other um, uh, folks and brands and companies in in adjacent categories, and so they're really good at bringing us um, examples and, and thought starters there. I also think that there's a lot of what I'll call, you know, learning together mm-hmm. um, because things are changing so fast and evolving so fast. Um, you know, we, we learn together sometimes, right. Um, even as for example, Del Monte, we're launching into um, new categories like f- the frozen space. Um, we have to learn together in terms of um, what's the best approach to creative and and planning and and placing media.
0: So still strong partnerships there, but evolving and learning as you, as the world kind of changes.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: I want to talk a little bit about um, diversity and inclusion, which has been probably the biggest industry topic this year. I guess in terms of, you know, how you think about diversity and inclusion, how do you think about it um, internally at Del Monte and on your marketing team? And then also when you work with partners and, and having them, you know, keeping them, um, holding them to higher standards in terms of creating diverse and inclusive teams to make your marketing show up as more diverse and inclusive.
1: Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I think you, you, asked it in the right way, which is, you know, how do you think about diversity both from an internal and external standpoint? Because I think it really starts from within, right. It it has to start from within and going back to Del Monte and what that um, brand purpose um, has meant for over a hundred years. And, the values of our organization, I would say that, you know, diversity, inclusion, and belonging has always been um, an important part of the value of the brand and the company. We might not have expressed it, you know, with exactly those terms, you know, for the last hundred years, um, but the idea of um, connecting people and wanting to invest in, 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 in people and communities to build that healthier and more hopeful tomorrow, I think that's, you know, at the heart of a lot of what diversity, inclusion, belonging really means, and so for us as a company, you know, I think it's always been there, um, but especially within the last few years and few months, um, what's been more heightened is um, our 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 need and desire to talk more openly um, about those values and those thoughts and challenges, and so our level of communication um, and openness has really. Um, increased many folds um, during um, this past era. And then I think then advancing to beyond just, you know, communicating and seeking to understand, but really advocacy um, has been part of that journey. And so, you know, I'm really proud to say that we um, support, um, you know, multiple ERGs, employee resource groups, you know, ranging anywhere from um, lift, which is the women's resource group, you know, of which I'm an executive sponsor to um, don um, the Del Monte Asian workers network, um, which supports um, the API community, which I'm a member of to, you know, everything, you know, in between. Right. So um, that's been a, a really, uh, really fulfilling part of our, of, of our evolution. Um, and then all the way to, you know, advocacy of us um, as a company, Investing and supporting um, organizations like um, uh, Color for Change, right? An organization that's all about um, trying to um, influence change um, for people of color. National Black Farmers Association. We've, um, you know, made um, some commitments um, and contributions to um, Black Farmers of America, um, and then to most recently, you know, very proud that the company stepped up and um, made um, a contribution to uh, the um, AAPI Civic Engagement Fund, so an organization that's about um, raising awareness um, among the AAPI community and driving more civic engagement and political activism.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you, as you mentioned, you are a member of the the AAPI community, and the past few months has just been difficult to say the least um with everything going on in the country how are you um first of all you know how has that been for you personally as as a female asian leader in your company and and how are you using that position that you have to advocate advocate for the community and, and raise visibility
1: yeah you know, I, I guess my first response to that is, you know, all kind of labels and titles aside, it's just like, you know, how do I react to it just as a as a person, you know, every day? And um and and, and yeah, like for myself and I think many other Americans, uh it it's shocking, it's disturbing, it's disappointing. Um, but I think it's also uh, very eye-opening, right? Because I think that one of um the big Things that have come into the conversation over the last few months regarding, you know, some of these hate crimes and, 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 and harsh words um, against the AAPI community is that for the longest time, I think maybe many people didn't think that the AAPI community faced things like racism um, or hate crimes or discrimination. And so I I know personally like that's not been the case. And I think now you, you have that ability to open people's eyes to that and make people aware of that. Um, and, um, you know, then, you know, you jump from kind of, you know, how I feel about it as a person to then what are we um, doing about it and how do we feel and react to it as an organization? And, and, and for me as a leader within Del Monte, um, again, I, I think that we are providing forums for people to express their concerns, to express, um, their feelings, but then also a forum to express positive things like where you can go for resources if you need help. You know, um, organizations like um, the AAPI Civic Engagement Fund, where you can get more involved if you if you if you want to. Um, Inspiring people to, um, you know, uh, go out and um, read websites or watch movies or read books to get further educated on um, on these issues. That's been um, very, very um, positive as well.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like, um, you know, this, this brands often like jump in on these situations and they express their support, but they don't always back it up with action. Um, you know, apart from, from Del Monte, do you feel like corporate America is really changing its tone on diversity and inclusion after the past year?
1: You know, I, I'm an optimist, so I I do. Um, I I think that there's a lot of scrutiny on every brand and every company on what you're doing. And, you know, you can either look at that from, a um, I'm going to getcha, you know, you know, i want to try to catch you doing something that feels disingenuous to, you know, the other side of the spectrum, which I think I operate more from, which is assuming positive intent. Right. And I think there's just a lot of positive intent out there by different brands and companies, um, where they want to do the right thing because behind every company is a person or a group of people. And, um, and I think that, you know, people want to see the community change for the good. And, um, and if they can, you know, use a platform like business or brands or commerce to try to affect that change and, 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 and they're trying, then we should, we should applaud that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's the, probably the, 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 the tiny minority where you get cases where People are just being just hundred percent opportunistic and um, it's it has nothing to do with the cause. Like mm-hmm. I'm an optimist. I think that with positive intent. Um you can see that people and brands and companies are trying to do the right thing.
0: Yeah. It's uh it's the thought that counts, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so well obviously, you know, there's so much going on for for a marketer to have to juggle, um, as you can tell by this wide ranging conversation we've just had um what would you say is like your biggest focus or priority right now um as as a CMO and and what are you either most excited about or most you know focused on um next this the rest of this year
1: yeah yeah um you know, I, I think about so there's a couple of things I think a lot about. Um one is so we've been talking a lot about the COVID pandemic, right? And and how it's um changed um the way we go to market, the way we um launch items, and in some ways not. And so I think a lot about what's gonna happen next as we move through the different phases of the pandemic. Um and I see a lot of um positive um drivers there, right? So we all know that when the pandemic happened and, you know, shutdowns first occurred, um, folks, you know, rushed to their grocery stores, uh, rushed to their warehouse clubs, et cetera, to stock up. And, of course, that was really beneficial for a company like Del Monte that sells grocery items. And so then, you know, a million-dollar question is, as things start opening up, what will happen? Mm. Now, I think fundamentally, um, consumers – have really seen a lot of good in um, the fact that they were cooking more and eating more at home. Um, And so I think a lot of those behaviors will stick. So that'll be good for our business. And so how do we continue to kind of nurture that? And as I mentioned, give people ideas and inspiration for having great experiences with our products. Um, I think a lot about innovation because it's such an important growth driver for Del Monte and part of our, reinvention um, that's going to make us relevant for the next 130 years. And of course, as a marketer, we have to be realistic and pragmatic and know that, you know, the industry norm on new item success rates is, you know, south of 20%, right? Now, we've been lucky because as I look at the last, you know, couple of years and the things we've launched, we've been, you know, above those averages. But I have to really think about what are the best ideas for us to bring forward, what's the right amount of investment, and balance that to, um, you know, weight our chances more against that success. And the type of innovation that Del Monte is doing, um, you know, it runs the gamut from the lower risk, hey, we want to just continue to bring out renovation and, you know, more you know, fruit cup items, more canned vegetable, canned tomato items and different flavors that consumers will find um, delightful, which is, you know, lower risk to what we call our OTC strategy, our out of the can, you know, strategy where we evolve our brands into more and new spaces like frozen, like developing more in the refrigerator perimeter. And those are going to be, you know, more what I'll call innovation with the capital I, which is inherently more risky and takes more investment. So Mm -hmm. those are just a couple of things that kind of keep me up at night.
0: Yeah. Well, those are definitely interesting and uh, exciting things to think about. And um, yeah, just want to thank you for coming on the podcast and chatting with us today. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I had a great time speaking with you. This is definitely a changing time, but it's also a really exciting time to be a marketer and, you know, I think for a company like Del Monte, where we stand for um, health and wellness and, you know, driving delight and nutrition through plant based goodness, it couldn't be a better time for us.
0: Well, we can we can leave it there then. Thank you, Bebe. OK, thanks so
1: much, Allison.